Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost. Have you thought about trying a new discipline that you haven't had a go at riding before? Or maybe you've never been riding, you listen to the Horse Hour podcast and you think, you know, I'd really love to get into horses. Well, today we're talking about the Wobbleberry Challenge, which is how you can get involved with the horse industry. And my guest is Indra Morris. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Today my guest is Indra Morris. She's the Director General for Children's Social Care, Social Mobility and Disadvantage at the Department of Education. How are you, Indra? I'm very well. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Um, It's really lovely to meet you because you've, by the sounds of it, been listening to the podcast for a while and we've spoken on Facebook and um, and Twitter and, and had some conversations and it's really lovely to hear that you love horses so much and um, and that you'd agreed to be a guest on the show. When we last spoke last year, I think you were kind enough to send me some photos of your horse because you've got quite a, an unusual breed, haven't you? Yes, I sent you some photos of Oscar, who's a Henson horse, which most people, myself included, until I got him, had never heard of. And he's a French breed. Right, and he looks... I'll post another photo today while you're listening so that you can see what he looks like. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Henson? Yeah, they're all done and they're bred in the Somme in Normandy in the north of France. And they were basically bred um, using Norwegian fjords and French sort of saddle horses. And they're really um, versatile. You know, they live out on the Bay of Somme and uh, every year they do a drift to bring them in. They drive, they do polo cross, they're riding. They're quite feisty, quite strong characters um and one day I'm hoping to actually get to go and see where Oscar grew up oh wow how did you end up um having Oscar how did he end up in your care um well I was looking for my first talks actually I started riding when I was four just well I was about 41 I think and very quickly realized that just going to a riding school every week and being handed a horse that was already tacked up and and then handing it back at the end of, you know, half an hour or so was just not not enough, really. So I set out that sort of rather, as I discovered uh, later, kind of complicated and um, never straightforward search for a hall. <laughs> it's never easy, is it? <laughs> no. And I, I didn't know at the time until much later that poor Oscar had sort of come over as a four year old, but then had sort of about five homes in five years it had all sort of unraveled for him a bit really and and me in my blissful ignorance sort of came along and sort of fell in love with him and um, 
uh, and that was it. So he's yeah, he's taught me a lot. And, and what do you do with Oscar? Well, he Oscar at the moment is actually on sort of rest because he did his collateral ligament last summer. I also basically retired him to hacking a few years ago, which was then when I got my other horse, Bob, because he's got arthritis in his neck and he's got all sorts of issues. He loves hacking. But I think the first couple of years I had him, I was trying to do things with him that actually, like dressage and jumping and schooling, that actually he he really didn't enjoy. And actually, in hindsight, he probably didn't enjoy it, partly for sort of physical reasons as well as... Um, you know kind of how he is that's really interesting do you do you think that was an element of his breeding that that his breeding because like I said I don't know much about the Henson but I just think you know sometimes we've got draft horses people want to do dressage with Clydesdales and you can do all those things um because I don't believe that you can't do anything that you want to have a go at providing the horse is healthy enough but it's maybe some particular breeds find it a bit easier than others I think there's something in that. I think there's also, it turned out for a while, he'd been at a riding school. They'd had to sell him because he was a bit naughty. <laughs> um, he just, you know, there's a bit of, I just never take him in the school because I think even now, you know, you can sort of feel him going, oh, mm-hmm. you know. So I think there's also something about temperament and, you know, what horse, some horses enjoy. You know, Bob has a real, you know, he enjoys training. He enjoys schooling. He's quite, he's got work ethic, but he's also you know physically fit and strong and um you know Oscar's clearly been carrying some issues on and off for years really oh bless him it's it's funny you should say that because because my horse blackjack is a frisian cross gelderlander um perfectly fine he should be able to do dressage and be in the school we know he's got an injury but he's recovered from that um but he just gets bored in the school but I can do exactly the same work out in the forest and his ears are forward and he's energetic and excited. So there's nothing to do with his breed. It's just his personality says, nah, you know what? It's not for me, thanks. <laughs> Although I, sometimes I think I'm probably more up for it in the, in the forest and in the fields as well. So uh, sometimes it's a bit of us, isn't it, as well? So, so notoriously then, what are Henson's bred for? They do a lot of driving. He, I've got some lovely photos of him when he was four at Windsor Park driving. He polo cross as well, but also they do a lot of riding at um, ridden work. But I think driving and polo cross seems to be the thing that in France in particular they use them for. So, so is he quite heavy set then? He's slightly sort of cobby, but with a non-cobby head. It's kind of quite hard to, but yeah, he's got a big barrel of a chest mm. uh, and he's quite a bruiser. <laughs> but he's beautiful. He's a beautiful bruiser to me, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Going from Henson then to to Bob. What type of breed is is Bob? Bob is an Irish skewbald. He's a fourteen three. Um, I actually, I confess, I nearly didn't go and see him because, having got a slight cobby uh, type with Oscar, I thought, oh, you know, if I'm going to get a horse to do to lunge jump and compete on, I'll, I'll perhaps go. Uh, down a different route but um, having had the experience of Oscar and feeling to be frank that I didn't have the whole picture when I bought him I decided that I wasn't going to buy through adverts I would only buy from either people I trusted or who were trusted by people I trusted Mm. and so when Bob came up um, uh, my trainer um, recommended that I go and see him and my friend who's really experienced and also knew the seller uh, she's very experienced, former sort of top level, um, you know, high level show jumper. And she said she'd come with me. 
Um, so I went not expecting um, and he was actually the first horse I went to see and that was it. Uh, I, had, I think I had a vetted the next day and he was home within you know 36 hours so oh, wow. um, yeah what was it about him that that made you fall in love straight away I think it was a, there was something about feeling I mean I popped a little jump on him I hacked him on my own it wasn't entirely straightforward at one point in the school he did slightly tank off with me but it felt that he was responding to me tensing rather than trying to run away from me it felt like a miscommunication and I just really liked him and I felt very comfortable on him and he was very forward going in a way that Oscar isn't but give the fella uh, credit I mean they did say to me um you know is he too much you know do you think he'll be too much for you Mm. um and I think if I'd just been taking him home and having him in a field and trying to do it all on my own that's probably would have been the case but I have regular lessons and you know I'm not afraid to ask for help and um, and I just you know it's been three years or well, I think it might be four years this September and I just love him to bits and he's just we've done so much together um <laughs> things I never would have dreamed of so I'm incredibly lucky it's amazing it's so lovely to see you talk about him because I can see in your face there's just love for him and it's excitement you you come alive <laughs> um <laughs> you've, you've been part of the Wobbleberry challenge haven't you has that contributed to the exciting things that you've done with Bob Definitely. I got a message from a friend, uh, Nicola, who I met through eventing and through grooming and volunteering and uh, her daughter um, competes and we'd met in the lorry park or online or something. Anyway, and she messaged me saying, look, there's this Wobbleberry Challenge, which was in memory and honour of Hannah Francis, who set up the Wilbury uh, charity before she died. And it's basically sort of middle-aged wimpy riders training to do our first British eventing. Um, competition and which I and I fence judged and volunteered and I groomed friends and never really thought of even having a go at eventing myself but I knew I wanted to learn to jump and I wanted to try some cross country so I thought I can you know use this to sort of motivate me and raise some money for Wilbury in the in the process so yeah it's it's been a slow long road but we're raising lots of money having some amazing experiences and um, and uh, lots of fun and adventures with Bob got a few tears on the way as well it's not you know it's never is it with horses all straightforward and uh, <laughs> yeah, the comfort zone is never straightforward but yeah it's, I've been enormously enormously lucky yeah and you've done great things haven't you can you share some of them with us we're doing a sort of 60 centimeters jump wise but we've done our first British dressage uh, and he came third and I was really chuffed with that we went double clear at Montford in their one day event last year um having been eliminated at fence the year before so um, <laughs> that was really good okay. well we're still taking it so steady and we've done some trek together but also I love just I also make sure we hack at least once a week I'm incredibly lucky with hacking here in Kent and um, yeah no um, it's yeah we've got a uh, combined training at month did coming up at the beginning of March and then we're going off to Furl to do our first hunter trial there which oh I'm really excited beautiful venue and I've groomed there for friends and they I think this is the first year they're doing a 60 class so so uh yeah I'm um, I'm I'm putting my brave pants on as they say and try <laughs> oh, a new venue yeah well I hope the weather clears up for you by then so that it's uh, not it's easier to try new things in a nice sunny warm day with no wind I feel <laughs> 
But um, when you decided to take part in this Wobbleberry Challenge, which it's an ongoing thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's about building confidence between you and your horse and socialising, meeting new people, because we're not all brave. We don't all have confidence. I certainly don't have any, any confidence at all. And I look at riders and think, gosh, I'd, I'd love to be as brave as that. Um, so I think the Wobbleberry Challenge is great for building a community, really, to support each other through this. So when you first joined, can you, can you tell us the steps of, of how you joined and, um, and how it all works? Well, it's, it's really lovely because it's also developed. As I said, it sort of started off with a focus on eventing, which is what Hannah's passion was. Um, and it, but it's developed. So there's seven goals for 2020, which is another, which is how one of the um, Wobbleberry focuses for this year. So breaking it down and doing kind of smaller steps for people to focus on. You know, when we first registered, we got our starter packs and we networked with other people uh, in our areas. And I remember going off to a pub on the, you know, corner of a roundabout on a dark night in Kent, meeting some women I'd never met before, and <laughs> formed really lovely friendships. And you know, Angela, who I met there that night, um, you know, for her it was about getting back on a horse after dec- you know, years and years of not riding at all. Mm. And she's been part of the Wibbly the Wibbly Wobbly group, which is the sort of, you know, another supportive Facebook group that has sort of uh, sprung from that. So it's been this amazingly encouraging, supportive. Some people have graduated by having completed their eventing and never want to do it again. Uh, <laughs> you know, others uh, have got the bug for other people. It's, you know, it's that confidence. It's being supported, it's, you know, trying new things. Um, and it's just been, it's just been lovely, really inclusive and supportive and all you know focused on raising money for Wilbury and I think it's over 300,000 pounds so far actually and um, you know riding for Hannah is still at the sort of core of it. Mm. How how do you raise money at the same time do you get um, like sponsorship for doing particular events or how does it work? Well everybody's doing it a bit differently some people are being incredibly creative and doing events or photo competitions or bakes or um, I, I'm um, a lot less um, imaginative so we've all got just giving pages which are linked sort of team pages that are linked to the sort of central funds so it's all clear uh, where the money's going and how much we're raising sort of collectively um, and basically I've just been lucky people have been sort of sponsoring me as I go along um, so although I haven't sort of completed my challenge, you know, we've raised over, I've raised over a thousand so far and um, oh, well it's just been incredibly, incredibly, well, it's taking forever and, <laughs> you know, I have no idea when I'll actually finally get to do an 80, uh, my BE80, but um, I'm sort of plodding along and working away and making sort of progress. Yeah, so, um, Indra, yeah. I like that. It's a little bit like an open university course, isn't it really? You just keep going and, you know, when you achieve that, which you will, um, you can do it in your own time, which I think is even better because we're all so busy um, that it's very easy when we don't have any confidence to kind of push our dreams aside a little bit because it's a little bit we get a little bit of anxiety when you're when you're not that confident of doing something so it's easier to bypass it whilst this is just there so that when you get time you can pop into it and have a little go at something else and you will you will achieve that I can't wait for you to do the AT because it'll be (laughs) such I just think it'll be such a great sense of achievement especially when things take a little bit longer I think exactly and life gets in the way doesn't it we all have those times when work's really busy or our health's not great or we've got family things 
and you know I think sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves don't we or um, you know sometimes people say oh well I'm not doing as well as so and so and it's like well we're, it's all in our own time you know all in our own way you know we shouldn't mm. judge ourselves against other people um, we've got to do what's right for us and for our whole. Absolutely. What have you taken away from the Wobbleberry Challenge that if you could pass on to other people, you would? I think um, small steps. Think about what you want to achieve, what really matters to you, which is not necessarily what other people think of as success. You know, so for me, one of the biggest successes and parts of my training towards the Wobbleberry Challenge has been you know, hacking confidently solo you know that was a bit tricky at mm. first with Bob and now it's just one of the huge great pleasures of my life and um I know it sounds a bit maybe it sounds a bit over the top but it <laughs> is and I think you know small steps working back from what you want to achieve being true to yourself not what other people think but also get support you know I've been incredibly lucky to meet some wonderful friends I've got a great trainer um, you know the, the Wobbleberry community is so supportive it's so lovely it's the best of the horse world um, and you know just find those positive people um, to kind of mm. be there when you need it. That's really lovely thank you can you can you um, I'm thinking now about um, riding blackjack I hate hacking by myself um, mainly because of it's the fear that I, I've had a few accidents over the years I'm going to come off hurt myself no one's going to find me and I might die you know <laughs> not being dramatic at all there Indra but th- those are the concerns so how did you get from you know b- not feeling confident to hacking Bob to now going out once a week by yourself in any weather and really enjoying that time together? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festivities festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I can really relate to what you said. I mean, the number of times I came off Oscar um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the anxiety, the tears, the fear, uh, which of course then made him nap um, and tense. And, and then I, I you know went in a similar cycle with Bob for a while so I can I can really relate to that and I'm sure others can too um I did it 
sort of small steps again really you know I I offered I took help from friends who walked out on foot so sometimes just you know five ten minutes around the first field if they were being particularly nappy both as Bob and Oscar occasionally walked out in hand and then got on uh, off a tree or a block and walked and then hacked back um just and regular mm. I think for me having to do it every week uh, and now it's just become normal for her but mm. I had to make sure that I every week made sure I went out on my own and didn't sort of succumb to the temptation of hacking out with somebody else um uh, so to just pick you know add a little bit of drop of confidence to that jar each mm. time and also sort of using kind of techniques I guess from sports psychology thinking why do I think that what's actually ha- comparing that with the reality of what's happened what I learned from it what I do differently um how I'd manage you know particular situations and just sort of trying to sort of think it through but again mm. small steps you know not forcing myself to go out for a whole hour um and you know getting help you know when people mm. to walk out foot saying yes please you made me think actually there's a local lady um and she's called Amy as well actually and she's so lovely and she has a, a field by herself and we met through Facebook and she also has a similar issue of um you know not not liking hacking by herself so we we've agreed that we're going to go out together and I'll walk with her at some point and she'll walk with me but the weather's been so bad we literally haven't got round to it but that that was quite nice we will do it maybe not this weekend in March definitely I'm going to go and walk with her and maybe Maybe it's finding someone else that's in the same position and you can help each other out and and make a friend at the same time one thing that I did manage to do which made such a difference to my my confidence is that I'd never got off my horse hacking before um always felt that you were safer on the horse than off the horse but actually my my anxiety goes down I, I feel braver when I'm off blackjack which is ridiculous but I almost think that you know, which doesn't really make sense, but but I think it's because for so long we didn't ride, so we did a lot of in-hand work, so mm. he responds really well to me on the ground. Um, so that helps because walking out a little bit, um, rather than feeling the pressure for having to ride, they can get confidence from you being with them as well. Um, I think that, that was a huge difference for me because the fear was if I fell off, I can't get back on. Well, if you get off and on and off and on throughout the ride, you get used to that and then that fear goes. Well, it did yeah. for me anyway. No, absolutely. And I used to get off Oscar much more. I don't get off Bob very often, but I used to get off, off Oscar quite a lot, um, particularly if I felt I was tensing and then not breathing. And I found he got confidence then when I was sort of at his side and more relaxed. So, yeah, I think sometimes we sort of beat ourselves up, don't we? Oh, you know, you, you mustn't get off, you know, it's not. And actually, you've just got to do what works for you and your horse, haven't you? Mm. Well, it, I was always taught that if you get off your horse, then you're teaching the horse that that behaviour is OK, um, rather than pushing them through it or giving them confidence or actually. So, so let me give you an example. Um Blackjack will freeze if he if he's afraid of something. If he if he sees a big tractor, the ears go. In fact, if he sees people ahead of him that weren't there before, his ears go forward. He freezes and he and he panics. But he doesn't panic and spin and run. He just freezes and and won't move. So I can try and move him forward. If I put pressure on him whilst riding, he'll then start to walk backwards. 
whilst if I get off and lead him through like a like a friend would and say it's okay we're fine he then relaxes and, and walks through so in that scenario I don't think I'm, I'm going to be giving him any negativity by getting off him if anything it's to give him more confidence however if um, we're out on our own and we see other horses and they're going in an opposite direction he he can't cope with that and he needs to go with them and that's when he'll spin and run and in that scenario I would stay on him and you know try and help him go in the different direction and I think if I was to get off him at that point um he'd probably say hey you know this is gonna happen each time I'll just spin and run more often (laughs) which is one of the biggest fears ever isn't it how did you overcome some of your concerns with Bob what were they and, and how did you deal with them it um I mean, it was getting help from friends. We had a funny period as well where I couldn't get a saddle to fit him. and He was a bit sore. So we had about three months where he and I would just go out on a lunge line. We'd just basically go for walks. Um, And I think that helped us, actually. Um, And I I learned to long line and and things like that. But also, I think I started to realise, a friend of mine once said to me when I was, I'd taken Oscar somewhere and it was really stressful. And she said to me, you do know it's you, don't you? (laughs) really stuck with me and I realized both with Bob and Oscar and actually Oscar until he got injured last year I found myself getting off him less and less because in those situations where he would freeze I I realized I could if I breathe and soften my hands and didn't flap with my legs (laughs) uh, which is what I was doing you know, uh, oh, I was doing the opposite of them, who said I was definitely flapping my legs. Um, it got easier. I'd give him a moment. I'd sort of slow things down instead of, you know, I'd mm. keep a lid on my adrenaline, just breathe. And because it always seems longer, I think, when these things happen. Um, and actually, weirdly, Oscar, working through things with Oscar, I think just gave me a lot more confidence with Bob. And actually, Oscar mm. became my sort of Mr Reliable really and in a weird way sort of helped build my confidence and helped me with Bob which which was a bit of a surprise actually given our history and his reputation but um yeah no I love him to bits at that point he was just my uh, my go-to. And is he a companion now for Bob? No I well I haven't given up getting back on Oscar because of his arthritis um if I can get back on him it would help him um, if I can't, that's not great news, to be honest. Um, uh, so we'll see. They have a funny relationship. Oscar's very dominant. You know, he's very much, you know, number one. Uh, and um, it's all on his terms. But they do sort of room and talk to each other. Um, mm. But Oscar is definitely, you know, um, puts Bob in his place, uh, which is not, <laughs> not a huge amount of fun, I think, for Bob. Um, but yeah, no, Oscar will make sure he's always number one. Well, he was your number one, yeah, so yeah. No, I don't blame him for wanting to be at, be at the top of the pecking order. Um, he still is, to be honest. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> when did you start the, the Wobbleberry Challenge? How long have you been doing it for? I think it was, I keep thinking it's sort of two or three years, but I think it might have been the end of, right at the end of 2016. It's been quite a long time. But then I had three months the year after with no saddle for Bob in the midst of the mm. summer and then the year after that I was off for a while because I got kicked in the chest not by Bob oh my gosh um, and um and as I said I've sort of 
realized that I have to go at my own pace. You know, I tried to sort of run too fast, probably, in probably about 2017, uh, and that didn't really work for me. Um, so, yeah, quite a long time now. Um, mm. Yeah. But it's almost like a life change, isn't it, really? It is. And I've met, I was really, and, you know, credit to, to Sally and Julia, who, who, you know, dreamed up the idea and, and set it up in the first place. And I, I, I finally, I was lucky enough to meet them in person at Burley last year, um, which I went to for the first time. And, you know, they did such a huge amount. I think they were overwhelmed by the response. And they did such a, mm. a huge amount of work to get it going for us all um but i just met some of the most amazing lovely people through doing it mm. and, and your job indra you've you've got a really highly powerful and stressful role you know director general for children's social care social mobility and disadvantage at the department of education that to me enough is like that's a that's a pretty intense role um to then find time one to horse ride in itself but I see from your job, and, and, and I hope that you can explain a little bit more, is this working with children and uh, and disadvantaged children? Is there anything that you take from the horses that you've learned from your own horse experiences that have maybe helped you with your role as Director General? I most, um, so the role of the civil service is to um, serve and support the, whoever the elected government of the day is. And I'm part of the central government department that is responsible for the sort of overall framework, the funding, the performance of the system that is delivered mostly by local authorities and some amazing professionals and social workers working really hard around the country, teachers who work with children with special educational needs and children who aren't in mainstream school who are in supported alternative uh, schooling and so forth. So part of my job is really to think about how how can we help them do their job um, and working, supporting whoever's been elected to, de- to deliver their uh, priorities. So whether it's improving the performance of local children's services or making sure there's enough um, uh, specialist school provision and so forth. So it's a huge, huge privilege um, and I meet some amazing people in the course of my work. And and horses, it's quite interesting. I think for a while, horses were sort of um, my my hinterland, if you like, my sort of escape um, from work, because, of course, horses don't really care what day you've had in the office. You, know? you can't have a conversation with them about policy or um, uh, what's been happening. And actually, that's rather lovely. You have to be in the moment and you have to sort of focus on them and they use a different part of your mind and your... And there's a physicality to it that you don't necessarily get if you're coming in an office job and in lots of meetings and so forth. So, but also, you know, it's been wonderful to see, and I've had the privilege to visit places like Shiloh Inn in in Brutland, Liverpool, and Ebony in Brixton. Um, and I haven't been able to go to the Urban Equestrian yet, but how you know people. Um, and children and young people, but also adults, benefit from just spending time with these incredible, incredible creatures. Who, mm. um, it's a huge privilege, you know, what they give us, what, how patient they are with us, how tolerant they are, <laughs> um, mm. is remarkable. And seeing how horses, you know, I think horses have helped me, and seeing how they help others, I think is just, it's just wonderful. And also, you know, I, I didn't start riding until I was in my 40s. And I think there was a bit of me grew up 
you know, swallowing the line that horses weren't for the likes of me, despite the fact that my own college, you know, show jumped as a boy in, in Warwickshire, you know, I sort of, I think I slightly bought the horses for a different class of people. So it can feel a bit like um, a quite an exclusive world. And of course, when you get to know people and you get involved, it's not at all. But I think the more we can do to encourage people and to support people who wouldn't necessarily have the chance or have the means an opportunity to kind of experience the you know the joy of horses um the better you know I watched a class of uh, primary school kids in Liverpool who were coming to Shiloh in for a few weeks because um as a reward for good attendance and they were just mm. you know again you know you talked about the excitement in my my voice earlier you know the joy and the confidence of them kind of interacting and getting to know horses and talking about their horses you know they were just flourishing mm. and I think the more we can do in the horse world to just encourage people having that privilege I think and that opportunity the better. Oh Indra I totally agree with you this is why I'd make an awful riding school coach because I just give it for free to everybody I'd be like yeah come and have a go you know <laughs> but I do agree with you and I think if each of us so what I do is I, I try and invite local kids to, to, to come and meet the horses, learn a little bit while we're grooming them and just spend a little bit of time with them. And obviously I, I can't do that for everybody, but, you know, the odd people I, I try and help. And I think if each of us can help introduce one person and give them that opportunity to, to spend time with horses, then we've each helped one person. And I think, OK, we have 150,000 people listening to the podcast right now. 150,000 people if you just help one person we are growing the industry by 150,000 people so you know there, there seems to be a theme this year from from all my guests which is one we need to be more supportive we need to help each other and two we need to be more inclusive um, and I think it's a, a great ethos to have for 2020. Definitely and even small things that I try if I see a chilled family with kids out in the woods and I'm hacking I always stop and say hello and because Bobby's got a big mane and feathers and he's you know very pretty skew bald you know and you the look of wonder on these kids faces even the tiny tops you just think oh you know even if there's just one but um my I, I'm a great I was became a great aunt um about a year ago but my poor my poor um nephew and his wife have been deluged every um, opportunity with horse presence i'm determined to indoctr- indoctrinate uh, uh, lexi as well but i don't know if it'll, it'll work they may not thank me for that later yeah. <laughs> oh well congratulations indra and thank you for, for for sharing about wobbleberry and how we can get involved do you know the website I do, yeah, com. Perfect, so we can log on, sign up, and yeah, follow their story. I presume they're on Facebook, and I know they're on, on Twitter and Instagram too. So, yeah. um, And we can raise money at the same time. Um, congratulations on raising your thousand pounds i'll donate um for you if anybody else oh, wants to donate how can they how can they do that well if you look up indra morris on just giving and my page will come up there thanks indra good luck and on instagram as well as indra underscore wobbleberry and oscar's on twitter at henson hall is he has <laughs> he got his own twitter profile he has <laughs> bless him <laughs> well we'll follow that indra thank you so much thank you lovely talking to you all the best Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can catch previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk or you can listen on all your favourite podcasting platforms, including Google Podcasts. Um, Just hit subscribe, 
and they automatically go down to your mobile phone every time I release a new episode. You can hear some of the episodes from this year are Jesse Campbell and Georgie Strang. It was really interesting talking to those two about their eventing career. The first episode of this year, I spoke to Laura Cutter from the Equestrian Sponsorship Hub. So she gave some great advice on if you're looking to secure sponsorship or if you're a brand that maybe is looking for a brand ambassador. I have more awesome guests coming up this year. So check in next week. You'll be able to see the modern day nomads. Sound interesting? I'll speak to you next week. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.